0: Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Good morning, my friends in the faith. It's a joy to be in the household here. I got that down too low. Uh, but my history do go back, especially with Chuck and Vi, uh, probably about 40 years, actually, four oh. Thank you. And, uh, okay, help me out. There we go. All right, good. And so we, we've we experienced many, many things together in God. We've grown together. We've cried together. We've rejoiced together. And uh, I think we're at a stage of our life now where just don't get in the way. Don't get in the way. You know, when you've seen as much stuff, as we've seen, we experience as much God as we've experienced. There's nothing that's impossible, and so if you're not going to deal with it in the light of God's revealed word, just step aside, because I, we don't know how many more days, we got, or hours we have. But we're intent on finishing strong in the call of God on our life. So I come with with great joy, my beloved wife of 52 years, me and Chuck. We, we I think we're only about three in five. We're only about two months apart, I think, in our marriage anniversary dates, and so we'll be celebrating 54 uh, this year, years. But she sends her love uh, along. She couldn't send her body for some reason. I couldn't talk her into that. But uh, she does send her love, and and, uh, I am so blessed by her. Um, Again, as as John alluded to, uh, my name is Victor, and I understand my mother gave me the name Victor, uh, when she, there were seven of us kids. Actually, there was eight, eight pregnancies, and she had, she was pregnant with a child before me, and uh, she aborted that child, and it was a male child. And then she, a few short time later, she was pregnant with me, and she attempted to abort me, and uh, and so, well, I, I was, I lived, so she named me Victor, and so it it means one who overcomes. It is a prophetic name. And, uh, and I think God does everything with unique purpose. Uh, and so that's what my life uh, was, was set before I was born. And uh, I think I'm in good company with some of the men from Scripture. That the God's purpose and call on your life is unique to you. There's no such thing as random, throwaway people in God's kingdom. But each one of us has been born with a unique purpose and call on our life unique, and God will hold each one of us fully responsible to allow him to release that purpose in our lives. And so what I wanted to share with you this morning is uh, I've been trying to put to paper uh, a book called The Prophetic Nature of the Church. And so I've begun doing that about two years ago now. And uh, I'm working on A number of thoughts have come together. I think I've written it and rewritten it two or three times. But the premise that I have in that, I function in a prophetic ministry. I'm not going to deal with prophets and prophecy or anything like that. But I just want to address this profound, I think, and simple um, reality that the church, you, and you're coming together here. It's more, as John says, more than singing, It's more than giving, you know what I mean? It's more than you being blessed. So much a Christendom, you know, if I'm not blessed, then I'm moving on down the road, whatever blessed means. You know, blessed in in the understanding of so many people is a a consumable commodity that I receive, and it's just for me. Uh, But I wanted to just stir some of your thinking and stretch some of your thoughts this morning. If I could. Now, listen, I'll just say this, too. I do come from a church who responds. They got an amen in their heart and their spirit, and sometimes it comes out of their lips. All right? And uh, that, that uh, I find that it does as much for the people as it does for me, you know, to be a little bit com- conversive. Uh, when you hear a truth, as a matter of fact, it says that don't let the, let the church say amen. In other words, God expects the church to say, so be it you know, when you hear something that you believe is from God, you agree with God. And in the agreeing with God, guess what? We are moved forward in his purpose. Every time we agree with God, we are moved forward in his purpose. We don't debate with God, because in that sense, then we go backwards. But we agree with God, and there is a step forward, because God reveals who he is. And when he reveals who he is, he reveals who you are in the light of who he is. And that's what relevance is, is to be God's person for this time and for this moment. And so I want to share with you this premise. My premise is this, that uh, the nature of the church from the beginning is prophetic. Now, what does that mean? I'll explain. My definition of prophecy is this. It is the opening up of the hearts and intents of God as it pertains to his people and his church. And as it relates to the culmination of all things created inside of time and eternity. I know it's a, long, it's a long sentence. I wish I'd have written it out so they could have threw it up on the overhead. But that's what it is. It's opening up the hearts and intents of God. Prophetic nature. And God created, when God created the world... Honey, you know that God had a purpose in creating the world? And his intent for his created world was that it would fully exemplify all of his glory and all of his majesty and all of his purpose and all of his intent. And so from the beginning, the very nature of the church was prophetic. I believe that it is vital that we understand that the nature of God's church is and always has been prophetic in its origins, and in its functions since creation. I also believe that his prophetic flow or pulse has been readily evident in its application as seen in the lives of his servants in both the Old and New Testament. We'll see the unfolding of God's intent in the lives of his people in the Old and the New Testament. God would go and he would visit folks and he would grab them in their obscurity and he would set them in the center of his purpose. And he would begin to unfold to them the things which he had intended, not just for them, but for his creative order. Isn't it? We go back to Genesis 1 and we see there, the first words in the uh, spoken, written words was God said, let there be light. And guess what? That statement came out of an understanding of a reality of what light was. And so he spoke, let there be light, and guess what? The creative order had no recourse but to bring forth light. And then what did God say? That's good. That's what I had in mind. And so that is the very, we were born into, out of this womb of God's full comprehension of everything that he wants. And we have to see the church this way. We don't, the church don't just exist for the sake of the church. The church exists for the sake of God's eternal purpose from the beginning, to bring glory and honor to his holy name. Remember you know, even when Jesus came, he says, I, I, I only come to do what? The will of my Father. Jesus was a prophetic fulfillment of the intent of God from creation. And you, whether it's Ruth or Donna or Johnny, whatever your name is, God had a purpose in your being created and settled here in this earth. And the nature of the church from the beginning is prophetic. And so how do we get there? How do we unfold these things? How do we move inside of of God's eternal purpose? I'd like to share some of those things with you. Uh, I contend that God reveals his prophetic heartbeat, resulting in what we would call a prophetic pulse, and results in a prophetic flow. And so the heartbeat of God is God's, it's like the heart itself, blood. You know, scientists, you know, they say that man evolved. But the, how could a heart evolve? The heart pumps blood, right? And so if there's no blood, the heart is useless, Right? And if if there is blood and no heart, <laughs> then uh, the blood is useless. You know, so it, it's not intellectually possible that hearts and brains and all of these things that are so codependent and interdependent could just evolve over time. How could I ever see if it wasn't the nerves wasn't there already to you know uh, to connect to the brain and to the optic center and all of those things. And so we see from the beginning that God had a prophetic purpose in everything that he has built into to the earth. And so I say this, there's the prophetic heartbeat of God. It is the blood that's in the heart. And then it becomes a prophetic pulse, and we, see, we can feel it. And then it becomes a prophetic flow. And that, the flow is in the people that move out. The pulse is that we recognize that there is a heart that is driving us. And so the heart is God and his intention. All right. The pulse is us becoming aware that we are belong to a heart that has a purpose. And then our feet and our bodies function in, in accordance with God's intent from the beginning. Now, this is revealed, I think, uh, much in the Old Testament. As we look at this, God created Adam. Right? He created Adam. And this was part of his prophetic flow and all of Adam's intent. We could see this unfolding. And then he called Abraham. And then he birthed the nation. And then he established judges and kings. And, and then he did this. He prepares for the coming of Christ through John the Baptist. And then he introduces the church to its kingdom purpose. And all of this is it's a flow, isn't it, of God. Uh, you know, when God said, let there be light, he had you and mine and me and mine. Can, can you, the scripture says that Jesus Christ was crucified before the foundation of the earth was ever laid. That'll burn your toast. You try to figure that one out. But in the realities of God, God always works from the finished product in his realm. And he brings the reality of that together in the temporal realm where we live in. This is the prophetic nature of the church. So the mandate that the church has been given is not for the church to determine. It's for the creator to determine. How do we find out? We go to his word. And we read the Old Testament. We read the prophets. We read a people. He chose one nation out of all the other nations because he, he was working to a purpose. How many of you know that God always worked to a pattern and he works to a plan? Nothing is expendable. You know, you think about God. I do in creation. I love flowers and plants and animals. I'm an outdoor type of guy. But God is profuse in the flowers. So many flowers, especially you know, my time in Arizona has been. I just blew my mind. I, I you know, I was out there. It gets hundred and I think it was 107 yesterday, and but uh, uh, it gets hot, very hot, about 120. And you know, I was out there a few times visiting, and, and I looked around. And I said, How could how could plants live? I mean, it was just hot, hot, hot wind, hot sun, hot everything. And and you see plants, you see blossoms, you see hummingbirds. And I said, it defied my limited realm of understanding that things could actually thrive in this. And I've been blew away as spring comes. Everything blossoms in the desert. Almost every plant blossoms at some time or another. You're talking about flowers and, and, and aroma. It is amazing what God can do in those arid situations just with a little water. Water is the difference. You know, and so God's purpose, I think, for us, as he unfolds his, his plan in our life, he can do anything that he chooses. He has a purpose even for the arid land that it would spring and that it would blossom. And the important thing for us to realize is this, that even covenant is a part of God's prophetic plan for his church. It's not the church that determines, it's God's that determines what he wants. And covenant, what does covenant say? Covenant in its in its original uh, creation is this: it is the greater binding himself to the lesser. When you look at Adam, the first covenant with Adam, and first covenant, you know, uh, with uh, Moses, you know, was this: God says, "Look, I will do this, you know, and I want you to do this. I will be your God." Didn't He say, "And you will be my people"? And so, it's the greater that is binding himself to the lesser. Why? to bring the lesser into the plan of the greater. That's the prophetic nature of the church. We have been born to reflect the prophetic intent and purposes of God from creation. Now, you know, that might not sing good in a song, but it's the reality of what Scripture teaches us. You and I, as you go off to college of South Dakota, don't you forget, you're not there just to get an education up there, Mark. You're not just there to better yourself, but God has a greater purpose in that, and not just to get a wife either. So he wants his purpose to be seen through our lives. All of it is for his glory, and we need to be about that. Not that we don't tend to the necessary things as you know, in, in education, academia, or our jobs and profession, or, or raising kids. I don't know how anybody could raise kids like Michelle does up here and look like, just like she stepped out of a of a model magazine. My goodness. <laughs> what resiliency. You know, but that's, that's we ain't seen nothing. You know, we, we catch a glimpse of what God can do. It's, it's, it's inspiring, isn't it, for us to go on. But we haven't seen anything yet. God wants to open it up. So covenant itself is a prophetic declaration of God's abiding intent and purpose amongst his creative order. How many of you know that God created time? Huh? Okay, if God created time, where is God? God is outside of time. All right? Time serves his purpose, doesn't it? I think I jotted it down, down here someplace. I don't know if I could find it. And so I won't worry about that now. I'll get to it. <laughs> But time serves God's purpose. Time, creation has a master. I mean, you know that. Creation has a master. Creation is not in charge of its own self. Creation does not set its own agenda. Right? And so we need to understand that. Sometimes even, you know, the... the, 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 the Struggle that we get in, you know, with evolution and things like that. Well, it's just evolving, you know, like this. No, it isn't. Everything in the earth serves God's purpose and plan, even hot Arizona, you know, and things of that nature, and other countries that seem so weird, coal, Alaska, you know, and things like that. Everything serves God's purpose. Austin T. Sparks states this in his book, Prophetic Ministry. He says this the prophetic ministry is related to the need for the full Recovery of God's full thought as to his people. Prophetic ministry, he says, is related to the need of the recovery of God's full thought, he says, as to his people. And so that's what prophetic ministry, what is God saying concerning his people? We need to always get back to that. You see, if we stop with anything less than what God wants for us, Guess what? We will miss what we have been created for. And so it is, the, it is the sole purpose for us, God's people, to find what does he want. And listen, many people, I've been involved in, in churches for 50-some years now. And I've seen people come and I've seen people go. I've seen people get hot for God, you know, woo, enthusiastic, and then, you know, five years later you can't find them. I've had people come up, oh, Vic, I will be with you. I'll stand with you, brother. You can always count on me. You know, and five years later, pff, they're on to something else. If we don't catch in our heart, our heart and our spirit what God's created us for, we will be shaft in the wind. We won't be bad people necessarily, but we won't be the best that God wants for us. You know, and it's that that we should shoot for. That's what God wants, and is that. God knows what he created each one of us for. And the highest achievement for us is to fulfill what God has called us to be. And we do it as a community. Yes, we do. And in, in the congregation, listen, I told my wife a long time ago, I said, I said, baby, don't ever just let us get to the place where we're just going to church as a routine function. You don't like it. I don't like it, but we just go. Now, I know y'all probably had an experience like that. Yeah, you can lie and tell me you haven't. But, you see, you have to say, no, there's something more important here than just routine, it's, doesn't it? I mean, it's got to be. I don't know how my wife could live with me if she didn't have something stronger than just routine. <laughs> you know what i th- I mean, that's the reality of it. I'm, I'm a difficult guy sometimes, sometimes. Uh, so, and you're not, I'm sure. But there is something stronger. And its purpose is the purpose outside. It, it draws us, doesn't it? It keeps us. It, 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 it's a, his will must be done on earth as it is in heaven. You get that echo sometimes? You know, his will must be done on earth as it is. Don't, don't you long sometimes for the righteousness of God to visit our cities? Huh? To visit our nation. To visit those who are in charge. Oh, let the righteousness of God come and convict the hearts of our leaders so that they don't be legislating things that directly conflicts with the will of God. They're legislating things as though they are in charge of God's created order. That's wrong, isn't it? And we long for that. How I submit that that is the prophetic fire of God's life inside of you. It won't give you any rest if you give yourself to it. I'd say that there is no better time in all creation that we recover the full thought of God concerning his people. We drifted. You know what drift is. Drift will take you places that you don't intend to go. Many of you have been on Lake Michigan or on a lake or something and you just lay down on a tube and you're close to the shore and it's so nice and peaceful and everything and, you know, you wake up and you, which way is the shore? You drift it. There's no effort on your part to change location. But how many of you know there's a secular drift within our society today? If you live long enough, you can see that what has taken place in the family unit alone. You could see the damage that has been done and what people accept as the norm now. This whole uh, homosexual agenda that is being pushed down your very throats of of all people and and a compromise that has come in. No fault Divorce. I mean that's an oxymoron. I mean I mean kids are damaged by divorce, individuals are damaged, but the state rises up and says, Oh, there's no fault. Just act as though you never were married. That's sweet. But God God is he hates it, isn't it? God's attitude towards divorce is what? He hates it. So how can we have any other response to it than his? The prophetic nature of the church. Yeah, listen. It's going to take you places where a lot of your friends won't, don't want you to be, and you might not want to be. And we need to learn how to be radical, radically devoted to God's Word, without being obstinate and belligerent. You know, people say, well, those Christians, they're too judged, man, blah, blah, blah. Listen, please. The scriptures say the foundations of God's throne is situated on two things, righteousness and Justice and judgment. You can't have righteousness. You know, and that's I think that's happening in our culture now. People have fallen in, in, well, I don't know if it's fallen, head over heels in the aspect of God's love. And it's all about God's love, but it's at the expense of God's justice. God is, is, is not this distorted individual, but he stands, doesn't he? righteousness and justice. That's the foundation of his rule. And so we, as God's people, we need to be aware of that. And that's the prophetic nature of the church. You ever find out sometimes you just giving in? I mean, compromise, you just give in? No, just a few of you. Well, you know, uh, I'll talk to the few. (laughs) No, sometimes we just give in. We don't want to fight everything. And we do need to pick our fights. But you know what? We should never compromise on what God said. We should never. And people want to argue about things. Well, you know, generally, just, you know, you want to argue about that? I don't want to argue about that, but I'll talk about this. You know, so there, there's a way for us to bring truth, even in times when there is great disparity of thought and, and, and opinions that rage. We need to get back to a clear interpretation and revelation and a proclamation, excuse the wordiness of this, and purpose. We need to understand the counsel and the intentions of our Heavenly Father from the beginning. We need to go back to that. That's the full recovery, isn't it? The, you know, the recovery of the full thought of God for his creative order. That's scary sometimes, but it's necessary for us to press into. There's a passage that I asked the young lady to put up. It's found in Deuteronomy twenty-nine, twenty-nine, And it's one of those passages that I, that I find to be very um, Inspiring. And encouraging to me. Now, chapter, you know, uh, Deuteronomy 29 follows Deuteronomy 28. You know, in Deuteronomy 28, there's a listing of the blessings and the curses that God has for those who love Him. How many of you know that God's blessings is prophetic? Isn't it? What, What does he mean by that? He says, now, if you do this, I will do that. It's all futuristic. It unfolds the intentions of God. And so he lays it out, especially in the first 18 uh, verses of Deuteronomy 28. These are the blessings that shall fall upon those who love me. And he lists them all out there. And he said, this is yours, futuristic. You will walk into these. He said, the blessings will overtake you. How about that? I like that. A football player, I like to run people down, you know. And I, I see that picture of the blessings of God just running me down and tackling me. But he said, that's it. But then he goes on in chapter 29, verse 29, and he says these things. He says, look, the secret things belong to the Lord. Now, in the first part of chapter 29, he's talking about Israel who's forsaken the covenant, they forsaken God's ways. God clearly spelled out, this is what I want. I want to be your God. I want you to be my people. And I want to bless you. And I want to bring you into a fullness. I want to make you impactful. I want to, you will be the head and not the tail. And you will set the agenda for nations. God said, that's what I want. And it says the people turn away from God. And they went after false gods. And so God says, I will judge you. And he begins to judge Israel in, the verse, in, in verse 28. Uh, verses of chapter 29. But then he says this, and he explains himself. He, look, he says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children for a little while, right? No, oh, forever, that we may understand all the words of this law, right? That we may debate all the words of this law, right? That we might preach all the words. No, that we might do it. He says, if you do what I have told you to do, which is the very nature, I'm a God of order. I'm a God of creation. I'm a God of divine purpose. He says, if you align yourselves with me, he says, nothing will prevail against you. Nothing. Some people don't know that. He said, but you know it as a covenant people. That's what he's saying. He says, the secret things belong to the Lord. Don't, and the inference is here don't try to come to another conclusion that God hasn't already drawn in his word. All right? Because the result of that is calamity and judgment and confusion and compromise, right, in a watered-down religious community, which we, we get into. I don't know if you just recently, the Presbyterian Church in the United States of America has agreed that it's okay for practicing homosexuals to be... Uh, married in their church. They changed their, their terminology that any two persons can be married. Instead of a man and woman, they said any two persons can be married. See, they've drawn another conclusion than what God has drawn. And, the, and this, is, this is where we're at so much. We're visited with so much of this foolishness, right, uh, that comes from the mind of God. And uh, I don't know if you knew this too, but our government has repealed uh, biblical marriage. Did you guys have a vote? Well, you didn't have a vote on it. Well, our government has repealed biblical marriage. They've repealed it. Don't count. Ah. And so what, people will draw different conclusions. You, know, you ever, I, I notice that when you start talking about issues that impact the culture, that sometimes the people go quiet on you. <laughs> you know, a lot of religious Christians, folk, they just want to be... I just, I just want to be accepted by, by my people. I don't want to right? I don't want to cause any problems. I, I don't want to say anything. You know, if God's got something to say about it, maybe we ought to be saying the same thing. Hmm? You see, I, I'm convinced that is the prophetic nature of the church. Not to remain quiet, but to agree with God. Is there an amen? You see, in that amen it said, so be it. That's what it said, Lord, as you have said so be it. And that, that's everywhere we should be. As God has said, so be it. Well, let me move on. If I digress, I'll be here too long. Uh, well, okay, here's a thought. will leave this with you. Whenever the prophetic word and the intents of God impact or collide with the natural order, it is the natural order that must yield. Every time. Wouldn't you agree? Whenever God's word impacts with the natural order of things, God's word prevails every time. Every time. And that's important for us. Parents, if you're going to raise your kids, the world, the educational system today will teach them values that conflict greatly with yours. You dare not be passive about it. Oh, they'll be okay. We take them to a good church where, where John and the brothers, and we take them to a Sunday school that's good. They'll they'll help them to reorientate their thinking. That's your job. That's something you need to give yourself to diligently. God has charged you with that as a first responsibility. The prophetic nature of the church impacts everything that you do. There's another scripture passage that affirms this thought. My, my thought was this, that whenever uh, God's word collide with the natural order, it's the natural order that must yield every time and all the time. Isaiah 55, verse 10, you're familiar with this passage. Again, it comes in a, in a dialogue between uh, uh, Isaiah on behalf of God and, and Israel and how they were to conduct themselves. And, uh, they, you know, so much of the Bible, uh, really, uh, portrays for us how God's people had a, another opinion other than God's. Did you know that? So much of the Old Testament, it's just there for us. It says in Hebrews that these things are written for us upon whom the end of the ages are going to come. And so it's a show and tell. The Old Testament, most of the Bible it was there so that you can see how people worked at aligning themselves either with God or, uh, distancing themselves from God's purpose. You know, and believe me, they were religious people they had a form of worship back then they went to, quote, church, or synagogue, or whatever it was they were faithful to their to rules but you know, God, uh, what God has called us to is bigger than any denomination it's bigger than any, quote, fellowship it's bigger than any one man and it, it has withstood uh, the, the, the whole course of the years and men still come to the same conclusion there is only one God Thinking men, there's only one God. There's only one Lord. There's only one baptism. It's only one church. And the purpose of that church is to serve the intents of God. And so you see here, again, he says, as Isaiah quoted, he says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth. And, you know, in that little um, return there, in other words, it doesn't go back up there until. This is what they're saying. You know that most of the water comes down, it then evaporates. It does go back up there, right? Y'all agree with that? It does go back up there. But you know what? It don't go back up there until it's accomplished what God wants for it to do down here. That's just a little insight into that. I'll read that again. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it to bring forth and to sprout, giving it seed seed to the sore and bread to the eater verse 11 if you have that one follow after that so is my word which that goes out from my mouth he says it will not return to me empty but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it and so this is God's prophetic intent for his word what does God send his word to do it will surely do it won't come back to him God's word don't come back to him and say well let, let me tell you this uh you know what? That was a good word you sent, God. It was really good, but, uh, you know, you know this husband you gave me. You just don't, uh, uh, you know, this boss you gave me, I had to give him a piece of my mind. You know what I mean? Right? Oh, uh, you know, the culture that I'm living in, Lord, it was so tough for me to be this and that. Oh, you young kids, you know, I know what you said about remaining pure and keeping your mind fresh, Lord, but, you know, I mean, I had to fit in with the rest of the crowd, right? And so, God, you know, hey. Eh, you know what I mean? So, you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> we, we make exemption, don't we? He says, no, 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 that, that's not what it is. It's, my word don't come back until it, what, fully accomplishes everything for which I sent it for. And so we, there's no excuse that is acceptable to God. God, words work all the time and every time. Every time tried, it works. And that is, uh, I think, it is not just the prophetic nature of the church to obey God's word, but it's also the prophetic power in the church to replicate God's word in the earth and to become a visual, we become a visual show and tell of just how good God is. You know, and we need, amongst yourself, always challenge people, you know, don't just debate scripture, live it. You know what I mean? Don't just uh, uh, go to Sunday school and tell the stories, but see how the Word of God impacted the lives of those around that Word and say, Lord, I refuse to go down to the grave without some testimony of your faithfulness over my life and in my life. Some of you know I buried two sons. My wife and I we buried two sons. They were 30 and 25 years old. They were good men, lived good lives. They were both married. They had five kids between them. And as we look back over our lives with our children, we stood by the grave you know, reflecting on uh, how they lived and so forth. And my wife and how we dealt with them, we said, you know what, our one consolation, we said, you know what, we would not do anything different than what we had done. And that was just by the grace of God. You know, there was no regret. Simply because, as we had seen and understood and the Word of God, we had lived it in contact with those men. And so therefore though the pain is still with us it was 20 years ago now and my oldest my oldest son his son just had his son about three weeks ago. And it's still and his, my oldest son who was killed, Michael, his son is named Michael and he loves the Lord with a hot Passion. And he married a wife who loves God even more. And they just, it's just their, their Facebook posts as always. I, if I want a revival, I'll just go and read Michael's Facebook post for the last few weeks, you know, in my own soul. And so it's this God's word. If we live it, it will bear fruit in our lives. And it, it will not bring regret to us. Uh, I want to share this with you. God's word is active and operative. And I think it's important for we, that we understand that. It will fully accomplish everything that the Father has determined. You know, God has determined some things for us. And so it's important that we understand that. A couple more thoughts I want to share with you. I won't do the whole thing <laughs> that I have here. In the first chapter of the Bible, in Genesis, we find what I would call the prophetic pulse I mentioned earlier, upon which God, uh, in which the foundational units of prophetic flow rest. What does the flow rest on these things? In the book of Genesis, God saw, he says, he saw what he wanted done. He heard what was on his heart. We heard what was on his heart that he wanted done, and he spoke it. In other words, there was this, this declaring of what he wanted done. It was in him intuitively what he wanted, you know, and he began to hear, we heard audible pronunciation, and then we saw the visible manifestation of it. And I believe that that is the progress that each one of us need to have in our personal life. We need to be able to see what's on God's heart. What is on his heart? And we do that a lot of times from reading or from listening to the Word of God. Now, I'll tell you what, you won't find God's purpose... On necessarily on Twitter or Evening News or Facebook, you won't. You know what I mean? Which can consume a lot of our time. Just those of us who would admit to it. You raise your hand. But you know what? Where we will find the purpose and intent of God is in His Word, and in meditating upon it, and in understanding it. And what happens is, you know how many of you know the God that God will shape your appetite. Hmm? You know the world will shape your appetite. You know, the more garbage you get, the more garbage you want. Doesn't it? Yeah, it does. The more gadgets you get, the more gadgets you want. Right, my brother in law? You know, all of those things. You know, so but if you know, the more God, if we got God, the more you get of God, guess what? The more you want. And the more you want, the more He gives. And the more understanding. And and I tell you what, the more you understand God, the less you bicker with people. You ever notice that? The more you love God, the less stress and turbulence that you have with those around you. One guy said, you go without food for seven days, it makes one week. You go without the word for seven days, it makes one week. W-E-A-K. And so therefore, if, if, the more we stay with God, the more he reveals himself. So he, we, we need to get to a place where we're seeing, we're hearing, and we're speaking. And he unfolds all of his purpose. I said, there's some examples that confirm the premise that God is not a random God, but a God of covenantal unfolding and purpose, who is always building to a pattern. And there's numerous examples of that. We can just allude to a few of them. When he made man in his image, right? Remember in Genesis 1, he said, let us make man in our image. And he did. Well, do you know he had something in mind? He, he, all he had to do was look at himself. He knew what he wanted. So when he made man... Man was what man was supposed to be. He didn't have to say, well, take two, you know, and if it didn't come out quite right. No, he made him in his image. And so we can see that the God builds to a pattern in our life and in each one of our lives. And that that's important for us to understand. And then he says, remember when he said to Abraham, hey, Abraham, I want you to leave your country. I want you to go to a place, you know, your your country and your people. And your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. How many, how many of you know that he knew what land he meant he had in mind? See, Abraham didn't know, did he? God knew. And so, that's, God is always building to a pattern and a purpose. And then, a the time when Samuel remember, Samuel, a young man, was before uh, in his sleep in his bed, and he heard the voice calling him. Remember that? He said there was a voice calling him in the night, and he got up and he ran to the priest. But here's the deal. Samuel didn't know the voice, but the voice knew Samuel. You see, so whenever God speaks to you, you might not understand, but God knows you. And he knows you enough in such a way that he can reveal himself to you. And I'm convinced that that is what God wants the church to be. God wants the church to be of people who are just attentive to him, who are listening to him, who believe that there's a purpose higher uh, for their creation than just going to church and, and eating good food and going to restaurants. You know, church people like to go to food and eat a lot of food and, and restaurants and, and cookouts. And we have all those, don't we? Uh, but there's, you know, isn't it a wonderful thing to have a united purpose in the body of Christ? that when you come together, you say, God, some way or another, you're going to extend your kingdom beyond those that are in this group. Somewhere's gonna touch either the community or those that we invite in, isn't it? And you're gonna make them aware. And so I won't belabor the point. There's a number of things I like to bring out here. Let me see. Y'all don't mind me perusing my notes. How about when Joseph? Remember when Joseph was uh, thrown into the pit? Remember his brothers threw him into the pit? And then, he was, then later on, he was thrown into the lion's den. Wasn't he? Joseph, he must have been a lightweight. Everybody was throwing him around. But, you know, God had a purpose even in that, didn't he? God used everything in his life. It, 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 the pit was never the end. You know, the difficulties in life is not the end for you. You know, the problems, the the. the the, the, the lion's den, the thing that looks so terminal, it's not the end for you. We we faced them down, right, Chuck? We, yeah, I know people who faced those things. I visited with my son-in-law, uh, my nephew, married to my niece yesterday. He's, got, he's a Marine, and he had been fighting cancer for about five years. And his eye optic nerve was pressing against it, And his whole left side of his body was almost just like black. And he had a mustache and a hair was on this side and was gone. And his eyebrow was over here and this was gone. Hair down. And it was gone. And you know, he was sitting there just praising God for his goodness. He said, the doctor said I was going to lose this eye. I wouldn't be able to see out of his eye. He said, but I can see out of that eye. And the doctor said, No, you can't and he put his blind over and put his finger up and he said, Well I be that is amazing. You can see out of that eye. And he said, I'm still fighting he said, I'm believing God is on my side. Whatever God wants, that's what I want. And God just, we just pray together. God give you one more day, one more week, one more hour. You know, he's got four kids, you know, and uh, that, what do we want? Lord, I always tell people, you know, I just want to live until God gets through with me. When he, when he gets through, I'm through. I don't want to stay around one day past when God's through with me. You know, I don't trust myself without God. How many of y'all trust yourself without God? God has shown me a number of times what I could do and be without him. I had enough years of that. I don't, I don't want to go back there. That scared the hair off your head. <laughs> you ain't got much left, so, you know, I'm real scared. I, I will not get myself back to that. It is important, folks. I know I'm a joke. Uh, all these scriptures that I share, with you speaks of God relentlessly, dedication to build according to his pattern. He wants to build those things that are right. And then um, just some things I've written I thought were, were awfully important. Uh, members of God's household. Uh, we are called to be members of God's household. We're called to be citizens of a new order. That's in, in Ephesians two nineteen, And we are to see ourselves here in God's creative order as occupied, able, and functioning towards his eternal prophetic purpose and intent, each one of us. I know I've stressed a lot of points here over and over again, I believe because they're so essential to us. First, we are to see what God is doing. Then we are to hear it. Sometimes you hear it in your heart. Don't you hear it? You see have you ever noticed some things you, you've been a, a spectator and you see something and then you drive a little further and you begin to process it? What? Could that? Really? I've done that a few times. I've, I've seen something on the side of the road and I drive. I better go back and take another look. You ever done that? Yeah. No, some of us. You know, some of us are curious. Huh? But, you know, you see it, but you don't fully comprehend it. And then, but then you begin to process it. And that, I think that's important. Because at that process, that's when we hear. The heart speaks to the understanding. We see with our eyes. And then the heart processes what we see. And then the heart speaks to the understanding. And then once we understand it, we begin to function. And that, that is what I believe the call of the church is. Is that we would see and hear and that we would speak the things which are on God's. For us to do. Amen. And it's all right. And I think God is so patient with us. He's patient. God is, is his plan. Guess what? His plan will work. You know, either with our generation or the next generation. But God's plan will not be frustrated. I think Isaiah 55 says, Everything that he's spoken shall be fulfilled. And so let's just pray together. Father, thank you that we could share this time, Father, before your throne, Lord, that we can know that we are in the arms of a loving God, a gracious God, one who never fails to accomplish your purpose or your plan in the midst. Bless this congregation, Lord. Make them to be more than just attenders, Lord God, but help them to be agents, Father, fully accomplished, fully convinced, Lord God that you are working to a purpose that incorporates them, that incorporates the leadership here, that incorporates all of the sister and related churches, Father, and that men and women will rise up, Lord God, with that that glint in their eyes, Lord, of the kingdom, that they'll be focused on you and your eternal purposes, Lord God, and that they would, or while they walk with those of lesser vision, Father, they will not become like those of lesser vision but they would become hotter and hotter, more given to your purpose, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. Amen.